0: Hey, take your Bibles. We're going to go somewhere different. We've been looking back. We've had history lessons, if you will, in church because we've been looking back to the birth of Christ, the coming of Jesus. And now I want you to, we're going to turn our focus just a little bit because every season we sit through, and as we get older, we experience this more and more, but there's always a, a seat missing. If someone's, seat, uh, someone's seat's open at Christmas. There's someone who used to be there. That was their seat and now we as humans, we grieve, we, we miss, we love, and we wish we had that person back or could be in fellowship with them. And this morning, we're going to look at what does the believer look forward to? We don't just look back and say, he came and it's celebrated every December 25th. He came, he came, he came. When we do the Lord's Supper, we say, he came, do this in remembrance, what he did for us on the cross. And we also do it, why? Because he said he's coming again. He said, do this in remembrance of me. My body was broken. My body was broken. Blood was spilt, and as you take this, remember what I did, look back. But he also said, as you take this, look forward, look ahead. So because the day is coming that the Lord Jesus Christ is coming to make for his church. Now, it's called the rapture of the church, and we're going to spend a whole lot of time on the rapture because there's not a whole lot of time to spend on it this morning because what we want to talk about, some might say the day, and this is probably one of the biggest points of argument in the church People are so smart today. They figured out that they can actually argue a point different than what the Scripture teaches. Did you know that books have been written on what the well the Bible says this, but there was errors in the Bible and there's this mistakes and we don't believe that portion. Let me encourage you today, theologians of all stripes, right, learned and unlearned. Why don't you take the Bible for what it says about itself? You see, so with this in some of the earliest manuscripts. I dare you to come and show me a contradiction in the scripture. If somebody comes up to you this season and says, I don't believe the Bible because it's full of contradictions, simply hand them your Bible and say, show me one. Are you able to do that? And if they, listen, I want to tell you, when things sound similar, if I say two men went to the market and they came home with their goods, and Wendy tells you the same story and says one man went to the market and came home with his good goods, could that have happened? Yes, because if there's one, there could be. Two or more. So when you go to it seems like a contradiction. Continue to read. As Mike shared this morning, he didn't get to read. I thought he was going to preach because he was reading the Bible verses. But Romans 12 tells us how to live. Our students in our academies, uh, fifth grade through twelfth grade, for the most part, memorized Romans 12, all the verses. How about that challenge for the new year? Anybody up to it? It was a double test grade in my class, so they had to memorize it. How about you? It's a test for your life if you would memorize it. It would tell you how you should walk, what decisions you should make, and how you should make those. Well, today, the mystery, our blessed hope, is the title of the sermon today. And and I'm glad that you're here. Did you know there's a lot of people just chose not to go to church today? A lot of people chose not to come to the Christmas Eve service for whatever reason. I had plans. I understand that people have to work, people travel. But here's what I want you to know we as humans do what we want to do when we want to do it. Isn't that true? As long as we have the means and the, and the method, we'll do it. We'll do what we want to do because we want to do it. And I told you Christmas Eve service, I'm about tired of preachers begging people to come into the kingdom of God. The word of God is clear. Jesus, you can't get any higher than Jesus, said, right, for God so loved the world. He was talking of himself. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Why should I have to beg you into the kingdom if Jesus Christ is invited whosoever will. And the whosoever will is you and me. So you hear preachers time and time again begging people to come into the kingdom of God. And I want to stand here and tell you, listen, if I can talk you into it, someone else can talk you out of it. Amen? Amen? All right. I'm being distracted by some kind of bicycle or motorcycles that are cruising out there. Where's security? Ask security to step outside if they would make sure those motorcycles are going to be off campus today. Hey, Jim, put up a piece of rope. If they're near death, I'll do their funeral. And if not, we'll bring them to church, all right? You guys, people choose, amen? This morning, you can choose to ride motorcycles, motorbikes, you can choose to come to church. You make a choice. I want to grow in my faith. I want to be equipped so that I can go and equip others. That's our job is to learn. Every day, when you say, I will fill my life, listen, each day, it's a daily filling. It's God leading me through this life. I learn something new every time I open the scriptures. And I I just read that, and I didn't read that. You ever been there? I just read the scripture. I just did a Bible study on this, but... I missed that, or that was revealed to me, or God gave you a thought. Well, let's read today in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. We're going to begin in verse 35 through 58. There's some other scriptures that go along with the scripture scriptures, but we don't know if we're going to, all, I'll give them to you, but I don't know if we'll have a chance to read them today. And I want to pray before we read the scripture today. Let's pray together. Father God, as we open up your word, we know the children are learning fun things in children's church. We know there's folks that are watching at home on social media. Father, we're here today to tell you that we love you, to worship you. We come for no other reasons, uh, Lord, not just to tell about our Christmas gifts and not even just to see one another. We come to worship you today. And, Father, as we come to worship you, we know the Holy Spirit guides us in all understanding. And as we read the Word, Lord, would you let people hear you speak to them today. If they're far from you, if they're lost today and come in this building, I pray they would be saved. Lord, if they're watching by video and they'll watch it sometime later, even an archive copy, that, Lord, the Word of God would draw them to You, Lord, and they might be saved for eternity. Thank you, Lord, you give us an opportunity. You say we can't just come to you. We can't seek after you ourselves. Your word says no one seeks after you, no, not one. But, Lord, the Bible tells us that you draw us to yourself. And then we respond in a way of, Yes, Lord, come into my life and to my heart, Lord, letting us believe in you. Thank you for the ability to believe. We thank you for the faith to believe. And we thank you for the measure of faith by which you give out to every believer who follows the Lord Jesus Christ. Be with those that are traveling today. Lord, we know there's many of our, our faith family that are traveling. Many that are here will be traveling back in different places. Lord, would you be with them, we pray. Thank you for this blessed season, Lord, that we can celebrate Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, the mystery, let me go ahead and get this out of the way. Why don't we title it The Mystery, Our Blessed Hope? Because the mystery that Paul talks about here in 1 Corinthians is, he's talking about the return of Christ, the we, we have this new body we're going to receive. We, we have this new resurrection that's going to happen to us when we, after we die. And the Corinthian church, be honest, they didn't care. They'd gotten to the point, different people had come into their congregation and taught them different doctrines and different teachings, and they had started putting the resurrection aside. If you go back and read before this, Paul is pleading with them, listen, I'm, I'm asking you get back to what you were taught. Get back to the groundings of what we understand. But the mystery, the rapture in this new body is a mystery. You won't find it in the Old Testament because it's a mystery. It's been revealed in the New Testament. So when you go back and look, you won't find it in the Old Testament. That's why some people say, aha, it's not in the Old Testament. It's not even anywhere else in the New Testament except Paul's teaching, and I don't like Paul. You ever heard anybody tell you that? Paul was a male chauvinist. Uh, Paul was Even I heard someone say Paul was a homosexual, and he fought his homosexual tendencies. How foolish and stupid can you be to get into those tangential arguments? Paul was an apostle of God called by Jesus Christ himself, and either we believe that or we don't. You say, well, I've got friends who don't believe it. Here's the deal. You can't change their belief systems. You can argue to you're blue in the face, but you can't change someone's belief systems. And if you do, the next better orator will come along and change them back or change them to a different way. Don't be given to every wind and doctrine today, church. Go with what the Word of God says. Let's read together, beginning in verse 35. Now, you need to read before this, of course. I me encourage you, but we're going to pick up at 35. But someone will say, How are the dead raised up? And with what body do they come? Foolish one, what you sow is not made alive unless it dies. And what you sow, you do not sow that body that shall be, but mere grain, perhaps wheat or some other grain. But God gives it a body as he pleases. Who pleases? He pleases. That's right. And to each seed its own body. All flesh is not the same flesh, but there is one kind of flesh. And and I want to just, if you're ever dabbled in evolution, who does God put first? Men, his greatest creation. We don't believe in evolution, right? As Christians, you can't get into the place. Some people say, well, there's theistic evolution. God used uh, evolution to, to form who we are today in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth and if you go to Genesis 1 just a just an elementary reading read through chapter 1 you'll find out that God created all things in six days and so on the seventh day he rested he created man on the sixth day the same day he created t-rex the same day he created lions and land animals And are we saying that Adam walked the garden with t-rex that's a hundred percent what I'm saying because there's no, the Bible says, without sin, there is no death. And there had been no sin up to this point. Sin came after everything was created. Sin came after, and therefore death came after, therefore Adam and Eve were in the garden with every stripe, every kind of animal that you could imagine that God created. Adam, as a matter of fact, named them all. So if you've got Genesis 1-1 issues, you're going to have John 1-1 issues, and you'll have John 3-16 issues all day long. You'll struggle and struggle and struggle, but what if, but what if, here's the deal. Look at yourself. And I put in your notes, let me just divert from Scripture for a moment. Look at the first sentence I put in. This is theologically deep, the first sentence. Go ahead and look at it. People understand people come from people. Do you understand that today? Some people would come up, what about, what about science? What's happening in laboratories when uh, artificial insemination still came from people? Amen? People understand people come from people. Back it all the way up. Keep going. Back it up to your grandmother and grandfather. Who were they? People. Back them on up. Their grandmother and grandfather. Keep putting it in reverse. Matthew chapter 1, you go back and look where Jesus' ancestry came from. It goes all the way back, Abraham all the way back to Adam. Adam is our grandfather. Eve is our grandmother. That's why I don't get into the race debates I told you today. It's stupid. It's a stupid conversation to have about race. We're all part of the same race, the human race. Some people want to make issues about it because they want to divide instead of bring us together. The Holy Spirit always unifies believers. Did you know that? We might agree to disagree. We get into a text that might be a little bit gray and we go, wait a minute, I don't see it that way. But you won't find much that way. I would say 99.9% of Scripture is simply black and white. You can read it off the text for yourself. When you read this, you'll say, I have an understanding of this because the Holy Spirit is your teacher. Let's get back back to the Word. Verse 39, all flesh is not the same flesh, but there is one kind of flesh of men, another flesh of animals, another of fish, and another of birds. There are also celestial bodies and terrestrial bodies, but the glory of the celestial is one and the glory of the terrestrial is another. There is one glory of the sun, and another glory of the moon, and another glory of the stars, for one star differs from another star in glory. That's a mouthful, isn't it? But you understand what he's saying? God, he, he, he builds the variety pack. He, he puts us all different, right? Has anyone tried to live underwater? Be like a big mouth bass, jump in the pond? How long are you going to stay down? Either just a minute or two, or forever, Right? You're not coming back up. You're not going to live there. He, he made us different. You're not going to fly in the air like a bird. Verse 42, so also is the resurrection of the dead. The body is sown in corruption. It is raised in incorruption. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. There is a natural body and there is a spiritual body. And just keep this thought as we keep going through. A spiritual body. When we think of something, a spirit, what do we think of? No body, right? We would even say possibly a ghost. And there's no such thing as ghost, by the way. I'll tell you that in just a little bit if I remember. But we have this spiritual body, this supernatural, glorified, or glorious body. We'll see, we'll see whose body it's like. But just remember, it's, Paul uses this word, a spiritual body. There is a natural body. And there is a spiritual body, verse 45. And so it is written, "The first man Adam became a living being." And if you look that up, that's actually in Genesis chapter two, verse seven. "The last Adam became a life-giving spirit. However, the spiritual is not first, but the natural. and afterward the spiritual. The first man was of the earth, made of dust. The second man is of the Lord from heaven." As was the man of dust, so also are those who are made of dust. That's you and me. and That's why boys like to play in the dirt, I think, right? Girls too, I think. And as is the heavenly man, so also are those who are heavenly. And as we have borne the image of the man of dust, we shall also, this is future, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly man. Now, this I say, brethren, he's talking to us as Christians, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I tell you, here's the word, a mystery. Not in the Old Testament, we won't find it anywhere else, but here. He's revealing it here, and Paul's other writings will reveal some. But I hold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. This means we all won't die. We shall all be changed in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, For the trumpet of God will sound, and the dead will be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible has put on incorruption, and this mortal has put on immortality, then shall be brought to to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your sting? O Hades, or your Bible might say, oh hell, where is your victory? Verse 56, the sting of death... What does your Bible say? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Amen? Amen. Did you get all that? It's pretty elementary if you go back and slow it down and read it. I'm, I'm natural, I have to die. Or be translated to get to heaven," he said. "What about Elijah? Well, God's got a little fine print star down there. I don't know what he did with Elijah. I don't have to worry about Elijah. I have to worry about Clint Smith. I'm not Elijah. There's not a chariot of fire awaiting me. There was one chariot of fire. There was one burning bush. There was one great fish for Jonah. Clint Smith don't have any of those in his future. I don't believe." But I might have whatever I have in the future. I'm waiting for 2022. If the Lord lets me, if he tarries and lets me carry into this next year, what does he have for me to do? We know something about the Lord. He reveals his nature to us. In church, we've said it time and time again. What is the nature of God? Over everything that's ever happened, ever will happen, in the past, present, or future, God's nature is love. Thou shalt not still came from a God who loves. Thou shalt not commit adultery came from our God, who loves. Heard some young people, and you, if you listen to different people that, that go to college campuses, they ask a question, and one young lady said, I don't believe in God because he's a man. Can I tell you this morning, God's not a man. When every time we see a reference of God, it's in masculine form, but everything good about a man came from God, and everything good about a woman came from God. You say, well, how can that be? Well, ask him when you get there, if you get there. I don't know. How do we turn back in the dirt? I don't know. We're made from dirt. We turn back in the dirt. Don't you find that amazing? Anybody find that amazing? You're made of dirt and water. How does that make you feel? But you're made in the image of God, Genesis 126. God did it. He said, let us Make man in our image. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Let us make man in our image. We were his highest priority. After everything in creation, God says, it's good. It's good. It's good. When God says it's good, guess what it is? It's good. But guess what he said on day six? It is when he made mankind, he made us in his image. He says, he looked at everything plus what he would made, his greatest creation. He says, it is very good. God Added to it, if you will, when we were formed. We were made in his image, and then we sinned against him. Adam and Eve sinned against God. They made a choice, just like people make choices today. You will make a choice. Will you sin against God? Will you choose the way of Cain, or will you go the way of Abel? Will you come sacrificially, giving your heart to the Lord Jesus Christ? Will you say, not me. I'm living it my way. I'm doing it my way. Frank Sinatra and you are going to do it your way all the way to the end. You're going to pay the price that Jesus paid on the cross. You'll pay for your sins all by yourself. Go to your notes if you would. I want to show you this, and let me give you some of these and fill in the blanks. Since the creation account in the Bible. We look back to the first man who had a natural body, Adam. The Bible tells us that. Today, we have hope in the birth, death, and resurrection of the second Adam, Jesus, who was raised with a spiritual body. Jesus' spiritual body was supernatural. It was a glorious body. Put that down if you put a note, uh, if you're taking notes. Put that down and mark that. It was a supernatural, glorious body. It was, if you will, a prototype of what you and I are going to get. I'm pretty excited about having a new body, aren't you? The older I get, my brain still says I can do some things that I used to do when I was 18, 19, and 20, 21, and my body just like rejects it. It just absolutely just, it just votes it down. I say, I can, I can climb that tree. I bet you I can climb that tree. I tell the boys, or I tell some of the kids, man, I can do that, and I try to do it, and I'm like, I'm not doing it, or I try and I hurt, right, afterwards, the medicine cabinet starts, you know, medicine cabinets was just looking in the mirror when I was younger. Just look in the mirror. Maybe put the razor behind the mirror, right? You know the old medicine cabinets? We still have that kind. But now you open it up and there's aspirin, there's Tylenol, there's muscle rub, right? Anybody know what I'm talking about this morning? As we get older, it starts filling up going, what in the world? I always thought I would never be that way. But there's a new body coming just for the record. Those of you that are hurting and in pain, those of you that are suffering, There's a new body coming. And those of you that aren't suffering yet, you will because you live in this body. But there's a new one coming. Here's what the Bible says. And this all comes back to do we believe what the Bible says? Either it's a yes, we believe the Bible, or it's a no, we don't believe the Bible. Christian, can you bump that AC up? One little bubble, I see everybody freezing. It was hot here earlier, and now we're cooling down. Here's what the Bible says. Listen, of itself, this is God's Word. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Here's my question to you today Do you believe? I didn't say, Do you believe that? Do you believe? Do you believe that God is God? Do you believe that God sent his only begotten Son that whosoever believes in him should not perish will have eternal life? That's a promise from God. Do you believe Romans 8, 35 through 39 where Paul wrote nothing can separate us from the love of God? Do you believe? You say, well, I have some trouble with some of that. Then take it up with God. God's big enough to handle your doubts and your fears and your anxieties. Amen? But go back to his word and say, well, if if, if it could be possible, and and God is really real and he's so intelligent, could he get his word from heaven to earth via the vehicle of mankind? He's God. If he's uh, he's omnipotent, knows everything, he's all powerful, he's everywhere all the time, he's omnipresent. Can a God like that, if he existed, let's just play pretend for a moment, if he existed, could he get his word to us today? If he made us. So you have all those if statements, go back and knock them out with the word of God. Does God speak about that issue? Does he speak about where we come from? Did we come from pond scum and monkeys? The answer is no. He made Adam the first man, and out of Adam he created Eve with a rib. You say, How can you do that? I don't know. Ask him when you get to heaven. I, These things I don't understand fully. I believe by faith because his word has said so. This word has stood the test of time. The Bible speaks of itself. Let me ask you this question it's the inspiration of God, and doctrine there, that word just means teachings. It's a, it's a, it's a word we use sometimes in church to mean teaching. If this is, if God is God, and this is his word, is it good for your doctrine, your teaching, your understanding? If, let's just play with me there for a moment, if. I happen to believe that it's true, and I believe that he is, and this is. Is it good for reproof or correction? Will the word of God straighten you out when you're going the wrong way, and you read the word of God, will it bring you back on the right way? 100% of the time. Because it's the word of God. God, throughout all of history, when he spoke it in times past, he could see time's future for us. Time He's not bound by time. But he could see that we needed this in the 21st century. Does any of this relate to you and me today? Does it apply to us today? The answer is yes. How? How? You can only explain that by God. God could look through time and see that we needed this today. We needed some encouragement. Well, is it good for our instruction in righteousness, how to live rightly? Is the Bible good for that? Did anybody ever tell you how to do the wrong thing? Now, you might have had somebody lead you astray, but you went with them, though, right? You said, well, I wasn't driving. You ever been there? You ever got in trouble? I wasn't driving. Oh, they started it. Anybody but me. No one has to tell you to do wrong. No one has to tell you to sin. The Bible says in Romans three twenty three, "For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God." Everybody, every nationality, everybody around the globe falls short of God's glory. Therefore, there is no poor innocent fill in the blank. We always want to look overseas somewhere when we feel pity for a moment. We are that poor those poor Africans. You know, know Africa is a continent, right? Yes. There's countries in Africa, the continent. Those poor Chinese, those poor, fill in the blank, and it's always those poor people far from us that we can't reach, and we're commanded to go and make disciples of those people. My question is, do you have your passport? You don't believe the Great Commission if you don't have your passport. Because I told you when I became a Christian, the biggest thing I feared was God was going to send me to Africa, because we sent all those missionaries with headhunters and all kind of crazy mess. Guess where the first mission trip was I went? To Kenya, Africa. Yeah. Yeah. And then into Tanzania and Zimbabwe, we saw things and experienced things, saw the power of God move there, met my best friend in the world there. God had a plan and a purpose for my life, and it was the very thing that I feared was the very purpose of God. So let me tell you today, don't resist God because He he could have a huge plan in your future. Don't resist Him, accept Him, and follow Him. Well, the Bible tells us as believers, we have eternal life out of death, because we're already assigned death, time Mom gave birth to us, or even before A man was talking the other day to me. He says, I got three babies on on the ground and one in heaven. I said, that's a good way to put it in. If you've ever lost a baby, Wendy's like, that's the same for us then. We have three on the ground, one in heaven. We lost a child. The point being is we have hope. We have hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. And and we have life, eternal life out of death because our wages of our sin, Romans 6.23 says, the wages of our sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Make sure you quote it correctly because it's in and through Christ our Lord. Well, I want you to see this. God is our creator and he is the one who assigns bodies as he, cho- as he chooses. And he's, again, you saw, he chooses fish to have one kind of body. He chooses birds to have another kind of body. He chooses us as humans to have another kind of body. And what do we call all those planets and things we look up there, we call them those what? Heavenly bodies. You ever heard that term? We understand it even by in science class, we'll call it heavenly bodies. We don't talk about fish bodies, do we? You ever call it a fish body? There's a fish body. Catch a little brim, catch a bass. Like, Look at this fish body I call. You don't talk like that. You don't call it a bird body. Uh, but you understand they have a they have a unique body. They have unique breathing apparatuses that the Creator made. We understand these things when we read the scripture, going, I believe this. This is this is a no-brainer, Paul. Verse 39 is easy, verse 40's easy. Because these are things I can see. But we don't live by sight, do we, brothers and sisters? It's by faith that we walk this planet. It's by faith that we live. Listen, it's by faith that he gives us that we walk day by day. We don't live by sight. But one day, we shall see him. Amen? Face to face with the Lord Jesus Christ. It's coming. That day is coming. Well, the resurrection of the dead is beautifully demonstrated in God's design. God designed us, and if you've ever planted, if you're a gardener of any type, this, this, is a, this is kind of the terms he's using here. He's actually talking about putting the seed. Anybody ever planted a seed in the ground? And then watch it, what happens when the seed actually goes in the ground. The husk falls off, and whatever that life germ is inside of that seed, it'll come alive. Those oak trees out front, guess where they started? A little bitty acorn that another oak tree gave life to. Because you know what? All of creation still obeying God. Everything in creation still obeying God. Except his chief creation, you and me. We're the only thing that sins against God. Dogs don't sin. Lions don't sin. Nothing in all of creation. He told those, tr- those trees, you reproduce like kind. Oak trees make acorns. Acorns go in the ground. They make oak trees that drop acorns. Those acorns go in the ground. They make oak trees, and you continue the process over and over again. It's only we who think we're smarter than God sometimes disobey God. We get in his way so many times, but it's God who's the giver of life. He designed life in death. He says, that sounds kind of morbid, doesn't it, if you think about it? But it was his design. Jesus Christ came to this earth. We just had a beautiful celebration of Christmas, right? Right? He came to this earth for what purpose? To save sinners, his people, from their sin, right? How can you save people from their sin? You can't just live among them because they're going to remain sinners. Something has to take away the sin. In the Old Testament, what covered the sin? What was the covering of the sin? The blood of the animal, of the clean animal, covered the sin. But Jesus was prophesied that he's coming to take away the sin, So what had to take away the sin, it had to be a perfect man to die in an unperfect man's place. Emmanuel, God with us, God came to earth to die for you and for me. Does that make any sense to you? Does that blow your mind? Why would God care so much? Because we were chief of his creation, we sinned against him. But the Bible tells us that Emmanuel, God with us, are y'all good with that term, God with us? Are y'all good with the name Jesus, the Savior of sinners? There is no way to save us except through death, burial, and resurrection. He knew that coming into this earth. He knew that was the plan from eternity past, that he would come to this earth to save sinners. So Christmas really is all about a loving Savior, his nature, loving you and me enough to do what his plan was. But I've told you Christmas also is Judgment Day. If you've never given your heart and life to the Lord Jesus Christ, you will pay that price yourself. Jesus came. He did come. He did live a perfect life. He did die on the cross for your sins and for mine. He was buried in a borrowed tomb. He did rise again the third day according to the Scripture, and He's alive forevermore with His arms outstretched, saying, Whosoever will may come. It's an open invitation. That's why when we share the gospel... It's not you saving the person. Get yourself out of the way. Quit thinking of yourself that high mighty. You're not. It is the Holy Spirit of God who works through you. He'll put somebody on your heart. He'll put a word in your heart. You share that word with that person who has a distress or whatever the issue they're going through. And watch the Holy Spirit work. It's not you who saves anyone. It's God who saves. Because he's the savior of sinners. That's who he was. That's who he is. That's who he will ever be. Well, look at this. Jesus is life. John 14, 6. He said of himself, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. This is, Jesus won't share. He said, what about my Muslim friends? What about my atheist friends? What about all these friends? You better get busy sharing with your friends. If they're truly your friends, you'll tell them the truth. You won't be happy with their lifestyle. You won't just say, well, whatever. That's good for you. That's good for me. Our culture says, leave them alone and show love. I want to tell you, brother, says the only way to show love is to tell them the truth. If the building's on fire, tell them to get out. This is not love what we're doing today in our culture and in our churches. We're just accepting everybody any way you want to come, y'all come. The Lord Jesus Christ says, You'll come by the way of the cross, confessing your sins. That's the only way, the only truth, and the only life. You're not getting to heaven any other way. Well, Lord, I've been good. I gave a lot of my money away. I help the poor. I feed the hungry. There is no other way except through Jesus Christ. You don't get to make up the decision. You're not God. If you're greater than God, then you create a new way. But watch him squish you like a bug. Amen? Who, you just Think of the planets. What are you to God as far as size and power? You're nothing or nobody. Except that he said that you're the chief of his creation and he loves you so much, he, sent, he actually came himself to die for you and for me. That's how much he thinks about us and loves us. The Bible says, even in the Bible, he says he knows the number of hairs on our head. And as we get older, that's easier to count too, right? But he knows, he cares, he loves. This is the God we celebrate at Christmas. This is the God of the new year. This is the God of the past, present, and future. Well, let me finish here. Believers and unbelievers physically bear the image of our father Adam. True? We touch our skin and we see that if we put ourselves next to each other, typically we come, uh, our, the standard model comes with five fingers on each hand, five toes on each foot. Isn't that right? That's, that's the basic model. Sometimes you get some extra finger. Right? In the Bible, there was a guy, a Goliath's brother, who had six fingers and six toes. Some people were missing hands. Some people were missing feet. There's abnormal uh, issues that happen. We know that happens in society and in our culture because of sin, right? Or because of humankind, because of sin. But if you look at us, for the most part, we're very similar. The first Adam. Believers spiritually bear the image of our Savior, Jesus Christ. The second Adam. You ever heard him refer to us, like Paul does, the second Adam? While we're here on earth, Paul later says, you're ambassadors for Christ. What does an ambassador do? He represents the one that sent him. Right? Correct? You represent, like a United States ambassador is supposed to represent the United States anywhere around the world they're assigned. They speak on behalf of the United States of America or the President of the United States of America. And when they represent, they're supposed to represent the USA properly. Not their version of USA. They're supposed to represent the USA. Our Constitution, all the different things that they're supposed to stand for the, in the place of the United States and say, this is what we think. And they speak on behalf of us. They speak on behalf of you and me you know who your ambassadors are? Some of them you won't be so proud of if you look them up. They're not such great representatives of who we are. But what about the Lord Jesus Christ? Is he proud of you and me as being his representatives? Are you always a good ambassador for Christ? Wherever you go, at home, at work, around the Christmas table, did you not get what you want? And did you tell everybody about it? Here's the deal. We are ambassadors for Christ. 24 hours, 7 days a week. Once we give our life to Christ, we're ambassadors for Christ. Husbands, as an ambassador for Christ, the Bible says you must love your wife as Christ loved the church. That's how you represent him to your wife. Do we fail? Do we Wives, you can amen. This is the husband. Men, do we fail? Yes, we fail. Do we, we wake up tomorrow? I'm going to fail today. I'm going to be a terrible example for God to my wife. Do we do that? Not our intention, but we're still those sinful people saved by grace. Yes, we fail. But wives, listen to this. The Bible tells wives, as an ambassador, graciously submit to your own husband as unto the Lord. Wives, do you fail? (laughs) Husbands, do your wives fail? Yeah, we don't want to say it because everybody's listening. But here's the good news. Look around. Everybody just look left and right, because I know you all froze up like you don't want to say nothing, like you all stuck. Look, look to your left and right. And you single folks, look around as well. We all fall short of the glory of God. So I don't, I don't have to ask you, did you fail this week or this month as a husband or wife or as a child? It says, children, obey your parents, which is right unto the Lord, that you may live a long life in the land which the Lord your God gives you. Have you ever taken your kids' Christmas toys away yet? They were free to them, and they think they bought them, right? And then you've got to take it away, and they'll, they'll rebel in all kind of regalia and rebellion, right? That's mine, and they'll scream, and it usually ends up in a timeout or a spanking. True? Because we're all adults. So it ain't like we were perfect children either, right? We did this. Here's how much the God of love loves us. We're the image bearers of Christ, spiritually bear the image of Christ here and now, but guess What? We're going to get a new body hereafter. You're going to get that brand new body like Christ has. Believers have exclusive inheritance within the kingdom of God. We must live with a blessed hope in view. Titus 2:11 through15, Paul talks about, hey, live like there's a tomorrow. Live like you're going there, and there is heaven. Live like you're going to live for eternity. There's a blessed hope that you and I have. It's a mystery to the Old Testament saints. It's a mystery to the world around us, but you and I, we know very well, listen, I am saved, I've been redeemed, and I'm going to heaven, and it could be today. Amen? The ticket's punched. I'm just waiting for it. You ever been to an airport waiting on the plane? You got an arrival time? We don't have an arrival time yet, but we're waiting because we know he said he was coming. If we believe Christmas is true, that he came to earth, Emmanuel with us, God with us, we believe that story in the scriptures. We must come and believe that he's coming again. The Bible says he's going to come with a shout, with a voice of an archangel. Hey, as a matter of fact, turn over to 1 Thessalonians. Let me read this to you before you get out of here. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. You might want to scribble that down and look at this later. Paul was telling the church of Thessalonica a whole bunch of good information. And y'all, listen, if somebody wants to fight with you over this or say, well, I don't believe what the preacher said about that, read what the word of God says for your own. Build your own doctrine based on scripture, not on somebody else's book about scripture, not someone else's word about scripture, not someone else's opinion about scripture, but on scripture alone. Amen? Here we go, let's read it. 1 uh, Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13. Let me pick up there because you can, you can jump in about anywhere. And so many times we read this only at funerals. But I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren. And ignorant is not stupid, okay? Ignorance means not knowing. You don't have a clue. So he's telling the church, I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus, or since Jesus, died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. For this we say to you, by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. Our brothers and sisters who have died before us, we don't get to go first. We're not in front of the line of privileges here. We're going to wait. Watch what he says. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be called up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. Amen. We got to go in the 2020 if the Lord tarries with those words on our heart and on our minds. You might die. Mike just shared with us that his grandfather died Christmas Eve. That's heavy lift, right, for the family. There's an empty chair at the table. Some of you lost loved ones. But listen, I want to tell you, if they were believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, and you're a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, there's a reuniting one day coming. Amen? We want to see Jesus first, of course, more than even our loved ones. But to think about even seeing your loved ones. Does that get anybody excited? And the Bible says you'll be known as you're known. You don't get this raggedy body you got right now. You can get this back, right? And you don't get like some supernatural, superman body, but it's going to be a little mix between what the Lord Jesus has and who we are to be identified with, and, and God's going to make this brand new thing called our supernatural body, our eternal body. You're going to eat in heaven? Read the scriptures, you're going to make a look and see, there's actually, if you like fruit, there's fruit trees hanging out on the pathway in the front of heaven. There's these banquets the Lord talks about, and you say, well, is that real food? I don't know, but I think so. Because when his supernatural body came back, when he came in the upper room with his disciples, he said, what are you guys eating? And some translations say they were eating fish and honeycomb or fish and bread. He said, give me some. And they were afraid. They gave it to him. He broke it and he ate it. So if Jesus' new body can eat, guess what your body and my body is going to do? Hallelujah. That's exactly right. All right. Let me tell you this. This exclusive inheritance we have with the kingdom of God, we must live with the blessed hope in view. Keep it on your mind at all times. That's what Titus, Paul told, wrote Titus 2, 11 through 15. Keep it on your mind. And here's, here's a quote. Belief always determines behavior. Your belief always determines your behavior. If you think there's a policeman at the stop sign, right on the other side of the stop sign, will you run that stop sign? No. But if you don't think someone's there watching you, guess what you'll do? Y'all call it a rolling stop, and y'all aggravate me, especially you with big trucks. Y'all do it the most. Stresses me out. S-T-O-P means S-T-O-P. May you get a ticket for going through a stop sign. Or a red light naked. All right. That's a bonus, Bob. Here's the last part. Victory Day is coming for every believer in Jesus Christ. We have the victory, the Bible says, and Victory Day is coming. We as believers should be thankful, steadfast, and movable, always doing our best and doing more than is needed. A Christian will always go above and beyond. When everybody else is sitting around, you do it. I ain't doing it. Don't pay me to do that. Don't pay me to do that. Shoot, he ain't doing nothing. She ain't doing nothing. What does a Christian do? I'm an ambassador of Christ. I'll pick up, I'll clean up, I'll do what I have to do to represent the Lord Jesus Christ because I'm his ambassador. And finally, believers should serve God with purpose. He designed our very faith and works. And would you go with me there so we close out this year with this statement from the Lord. Ephesians chapter 2. Galatians, Ephesians, get there with me. Don't put it up on the screen so If they don't turn to it, they won't get it, all right? Don't put it up, Melissa. Hold on, she likes to put everything up for you. Melissa's one of those mothers who's got to do everything for her kids. She cleans up for the church. She She wants to do everything for you watch this. She wants to put that scripture up for you. I want you to turn to it in your Bible and mark it. You've heard it before. You know this. Ephesians 2, beginning verse 8. Listen, believers should serve God with purpose. He designed our very faith and works. You say, well, where does the Bible say that? Let's read it together. For by grace you have been saved through what? Faith. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. The very fact that you can believe is God has given you that gift not here at Christmas. Listen, at any time of the year when you became a Christian, it was God who gave you the faith to believe. Not of works, lest anyone should boast. You will not work your way to heaven. Do you understand that? There is no possible way for anybody, any human ever born to work their way to heaven. You can't do enough good deeds. Here's the last part, verse 10. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for What? Good works. You have work to do. You have a purpose. You have a plan for your life, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. He actually wants you to do what he's called you to do. Does that sound surprising? Today, our easy believism is just, hey, just uh, anything goes. Just call it like you see it. The Lord says you must come by the way of the cross. You must accept Jesus Christ only as your Lord and Savior. And once you accept him, he says, go make disciples of all the nations, baptize them in the name of the Father and Son and Holy Spirit. That's a command from him. But he also says to teach them. You say, well, I'm not a teacher. Yes, you are if you're a Christian. Do you understand? If you've been a Christian for one day, you're required to teach what you know. You're required to help people get to heaven. Because we're his witnesses, we're his ambassadors. And surely to goodness, if you've lived a long time, and you've been in church for a long time, you've been saved, you should re- be reproducing yourself spiritually. You should be sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. You should be making disciples. You should be seeing that they get baptized by immersion. And you should be teaching them everything that the Lord Jesus Christ taught his disciples. He said, I just don't know that much. Go to Romans 12, that's a great starting point. This is what Mike said, It what every believer should live like. Be transformed you're that old sorry worm, right? You were formed in an egg. You were that sor- Your mama gave birth to a sorry, sorry worm. Wretched, good-for-nothing worm. But yet, Jesus Christ comes and puts you in that wrapped-up chrysalis, right? And what do you become? Beautiful butterfly. We never think about worms, but most people don't, unless you're scientists, I guess. You never think about worms when you see a butterfly. Children go, oh, what a beautiful flying worm. They never do that, right? Children chase butterflies because they're beautiful and they, and they always want to talk about butterflies. But we all know where that butterfly started, don't we? And you and I, if you're not a Christian, you're at that starting point. If you've never given your heart life to the Lord Jesus Christ, you're just like that grubby little worm. You'll die a grubby little worm. But when you give your life to Christ, oh, he wraps you so tight. And there's struggles you'll go through, and you know that butterfly, he's trying to get himself or herself out of that chrysalis because they're growing. They want to be that butterfly that God's called them to be. I want to preach. I want to be a missionary. I want to sing. Well, sometimes it causes hard work to get other. if you come up with a razor blade on a butterfly and a chrysalis, what do you, and you split it and let them out, guess what's going to happen? They're going to fall to the ground and never build their strength to fly. You've killed it, basically, in essence. So many of us want the shortcut. There is no shortcut in the kingdom of God. When you give your life to Christ, you'll struggle, you'll strain, you'll, you'll wonder why, God, why don't you let that happen to me? Why does this happen, all these hardships? And the Lord is sitting there, I'm trying to tell you, I love you. And you've got to go through this so that I can make you who you want to be, who I want you to be. This is my purpose. This is my plan. Now, you can do foolish stuff yourself. You don't get a pass when you make stupid mistakes. Oh, God, this is God's plan. No, it's not. You have the will of God And then you have what's called the permissive will of God. And that's when you back out and punt. That's another sermon for another day. Let's pray out of here. Father God, I thank you that you give us an opportunity to know you personally. This new year as we're preparing to go into the new year, Father, help us to be the people who, Lord, have this glorious mystery on our hearts and minds. There is no possible way we could explain you or all that you've done for us. There's no possible chance. Oh, we can philosophize. We can talk about doctrine. We can talk about our favorite author or theologian. We can just we can boast what Scripture says only, Lord. Help us be the people of God. Help us don't, not to get into the weeds so much and argue about what we know is right in Christianity. Father, let us just be simple ambassadors for Christ. Let us say what you tell us to say. When you give out the news report, Lord, we read it. That's the word of God, and we give it out, just as you said. Help us, Lord, be the people of God you want us to be. Help us fulfill that purpose in 2022. Help us finish 2021 strong, being the man, woman, boy of God you want us to be. Because, Lord, we know that you guide us. You're our strength. You're our help. We're more than overcomers according to the word of God. We live in victory according to the word of God. In the good times, we worship you. In the bad times, we worship you. Lord, help us be the very people you want us to be. We pray these things in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen.